What's up, everyone? We know the last thing you need is another fitness podcast to catch you up on the newest trends and fad diets based off of popular opinion, not research. Enter myself and Tony. We made the Fitness Stuff podcast make exercise and nutrition science practical. Our goal is to expose misinformation in the industry by providing only evidence-based education, where today we will be covering lean bulking. But before we get into that, Tony has Let's a little message for you guys. Before we get started, <laughs> before we get started, as always, just a quick reminder, this show is free. It always will be free. It's part of our passion to reach as many people as we can. Bring zero cost to consumer education to the masses. That's what we're here to do. So a quick and simple reminder, you guys know if you've listened to the show before, the easiest way you can support us is to give us a five-star review on whatever you're watching it on. That legitimately is the coolest thing you could possibly do to support us. It reaches it to more people gives it out and helps us accomplish it. And it takes like 20 seconds. You can do it now by the time I finish this <laughs> quick sponsor. And thank you to our real first sponsor, Eat This Much, who Mariana and I have talked about for months before we even had a podcast because we used it with our clients. We used it ourselves. It just so happened that it landed that we worked so perfectly together. So Eat This Much, if you have not heard of, is freaking phenomenal. It's essentially a website or app that you could use, which has a tremendous amount of free possibilities. So I urge everyone just to go try it out. Essentially, it's a meal prep and meal planning app and website. You can go in there, figure out if you know how many calories and macros you should be eating, and you type these in, your food preferences, how many times you want to eat per day, and it automatically generates an entire day's worth of eating, meals, recipes, how to cook and plan like that. And that's the free part. That's the free part. So it does all that. If you want to go to premium, you can upload up to a week's groceries at a time. It automatically generates grocery lists. It automatically generates your leftovers for each meal so you can plan and budget accordingly if you're on a budget. <sighs> you can customize every day of the week. You can print and email your plans and you can even sync it to Amazon Fresh or is it Instacart for grocery delivery? Mm -hmm. Is it Instacart? Yeah. I think it's Instacart. Yeah. I don't use that, yeah. but if you're one of those, you can do it too. Anywho, we are partnered with them and you can use the link in our bio or in the description below. If you want to one, get two weeks of premium for free, just go try it out. Don't get charged if you cancel beforehand. And two, if you decide you want to sign up through our link, you get an extra 20% off of premium, just since we know how important meal prep and planning actually is to getting to where you want to go. So that's who today's episode is sponsored by. Mariana, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling- Don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> Don't lie. We're off today. The vibes are <sighs> off, but they're on the upswing. We've had a slow start this week. We are. Uh, we're bringing it to sure. the good vibe tribe. Yeah. We started off on the wrong foot, but we're on the good vibe tribe right now. That's it. But how can we not be in, the, in a good mood? We're talking about bulking, lean bulking, right? Lean bulking. I'm excited. I don't know about you, Tony, but filming and getting to have these conversations is probably the best part of my week. So I can't think it, it always turns it around, but sometimes we start a little shaky. It's, you know what it is? We're like 80 year old men and women. We don't know how to use technology. That's what always tricks us up. And then we get frustrated. Like my dad, when I try and like show him how to use and download an app, I'm like, what's your Apple ID? He's like, my what? <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> we're Apple also, ID. if you guys oh. didn't know, Tony and I, and we also have our incredible, Reagan helps us edit. We have a team of three from planning to production, editing, marketing, execution. So sometimes we're really hard on ourselves. I think that's also it. <laughs> but you got to be, you got to be. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. But anywho, you don't care. You don't care. What do you care about? Building sick muscle to look good, feel good, and to live 
longer. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So lean bulking today, specifically what we're going to be talking about, what is a lean bulk? What is a lean bulk compared to the typical bulk or dirty bulk that people typically talk about? How to know when you need to go through a bulk or a building phase. We're going to dive into something called muscle protein synthesis, exactly what it is and how to augment muscle protein synthesis during a bulk to maximize how much strength and size you actually gain, how fast individuals can actually gain pure muscle tissue, how to set up your training, your workouts, your calories, your macros for a lean bulk. We're actually even going to go through some specific lean bulking foods and meals and how to know when to go through a short dieting phase or transition into a cut when you need to. So we're going all details. On how to lean bulk today. That's what we're talking about. When was the last time you lean bulked? Man, I can't. I think it's been about a year. It's been about a year since I was like in a dedicated lean bulk. Yeah. Now I'm in like a little a main gain phase, which I'm pretty happy with. But yeah, a lean bulk. It's one of those. It's a little bit different. So let's start with this. What is a lean bulk? I think is mm. pretty solid, right? Because at least, what would you call like a lean bulk versus a a regular bulk. And I'll kind of give my piece. In terms of a lean bulk, the first thing I think of is it's a little bit more controlled so that you're really prioritizing putting on lean muscle versus in like a dirty bulk, just trying to put on weight fast yeah. as much as you can and then cutting. That's the first thoughts that come to my head in terms of a lean bulk, a lot more controlled, regulated, more really sp specific on numbers and macros and tracking yeah. a lot more so than just hiking up the calories, putting on a bunch of weight fast. So I'll say this. I've been through a lean bulk and I've been through a dirty bulk when I was younger. I feel like when you first get into weightlifting, at least for guys, when you get into weightlifting, like when you're in high school, just getting out around that age, like your late teens, early 20s, mm -hmm. you learn about, and I think this is mainly because you're going through, you're experiencing a little bit of the newbie gains, which we're going to talk about today. But you you gain muscle a lot quicker than when you've been training for a while. So I think you go into this dirty bulk mindset where you just eat everything in sight. You know, like I just need as much as I possibly can. And <laughs> there's two usually camps, right? The traditional dirty bulk that you go through, which involves just gaining weight as quickly as possible by eating as much food as you can stomach, regardless of its calorie or macro value. Or as you go through it and you realize like you go through this endless cycle of not just gaining muscle, but gaining fat and then mm -hmm. needing to go through like an aggressive cut to lose that fat. But in that cut, you end up losing your muscle along the way. So you're just in this cycle where you're not really gaining a ton of muscle or losing a ton of fat. You're just going through those two phases, but year after year, your physique stays more or less the same. That's yeah. where the idea of a lean bulk comes in, where you get down to a relatively, and we'll talk about when it's time to bulk and when it's time to build muscle because of how important it is, but you get down to a relatively leaner body fat percentage. And then you can say, okay, I want to keep this leanness or at least hold on to as much as I can. Let me see how much muscle I can build while not putting on excessive amounts of body fat in the same way. I promise you this, if you're younger, if you're whatever, like the dirty bulk might sound better because you get to eat as much food and delicious food as you possibly could imagine. Mm. But I promise you in the long run, you're just gonna be like, well, crap, I just wasted so much time than if I just would have lean bulk. And there's still a lot of flexibility in lean bulk yeah. too. Yeah. I think that's what people forget. We just had Alan on, we've had Stan, we, we have a lot of professionals. People don't realize like, if you really look at your life, have a lot of flexibility mm -hmm. in your approach. And I also feel like when you're younger, maybe you don't have to worry about this as much, but a lean bulk sets you up for more of the habits you need to successfully execute a cut. So mm -hmm. going from that stark of a contrast of just like whatever you want to eat, whenever you want to eat, to having to be really regimented yeah. for a lot of people, like that's just so hard to do and not sustainable. 
Oh, that's a perfect freaking point. Because it, it is. It's mm-hmm. like you go through this dirty bulk. You eat whatever you want. You're feeling great. And then to lose body fat, you do have to be a lot more, like you said, regimented. You still have flexibility. But mm-hmm. compared to a dirty bulk where you can eat whatever, whenever, there's a lot more structure to a cut. And going yeah. from one lifestyle to the other is not just an easy switch. Or at least you might be able to do it for a week or two. And then you start to notice, oh, this freaking sucks compared to what I've been doing. And I think this is important too, because we're going to talk about how, when you should go through books. I think a lot of people don't really realize, and especially I think females don't realize they should probably be going through a lean building phase to make the rest of their goals a lot easier, more attainable. Mm-hmm. So I think this bulk word typically targets men because yeah. no girl wants to bulk up. And that's why I typically referred to it as like a building or a muscle building phase. Yeah. And right? I, I think also women th- think of like, when they think of bulk, they think of dirty bulking. Like it's mm-hmm. that's the only thing is eating as much as possible and gaining all this weight really, really fast. There's not even yeah. the idea of being able to do it in a way that one is going to make your cut more effective and easier, but also holding on to muscle mass. It's not some crazy intense process where you obviously your body changes a little bit, but it's not like yeah. I think there's the word bulk too. That's what you hear. At yeah. least when I talk to female clients a lot, they're like, okay, I'll lift weights. I'll do it. I don't want to be bulky. I don't want to bulk up. So I hate the word bulk. So I refer to it as like a building phase, a lean building phase. Cause like, if you want a leaner, more tone and defined look, you need muscle mass on your frame. Yeah. You need it. And I think that's more female, like any goal, like anyone can have any goal, but it is more common in females to say, I want to look more tone. I want to look leaner. I want to look more defined. It's like people don't realize you need muscle tissue to have that definition, to have that athletic look like you need, you don't need the 40 extra pounds of it, but you do Mm -hmm. need a little bit there. And I think people don't realize when you're just constantly restricting your calories and you're going from deficit to deficit to deficit, just foot on the gas, your muscle protein synthesis that we're going to talk about, that rate just plummets. Your hormones start to fight against you the longer you go in it. Your workouts start to suffer. You're not able to build strength, build size. And unless you're brand new to resistance training, getting like those newbie gains, you're not going to ever accomplish building muscle if you're always in a deficit. No matter how many weights yeah. you lift, no matter how many how many hours you spend in the weight room, if you're in a deficit constantly, you're not going to end up building significant or meaningful amounts of muscle. Yeah. And that's important to realize because how many people do you, have you heard of that are just deficit to di- like diet to diet to diet to diet. Yeah. Always in a deficit. It's just crazy to me. But then also at the same time are frustrated with not getting results, which is why they start something yeah. new. It's like just this whole yeah. up down and it really doesn't have to be <laughs> that way. Yeah. It's yeah. like the only answer is deficit. No, there's a yeah. lot more. And I think outside of this, because if you want a leaner, more defined look, if you want to actually build some serious size and we've had the men versus women talk where it's just like gen- like genetic potential alone, you're not going to build a, like a massive amount of muscle, at least anytime quick. So we'll go over how fast you can actually build muscle, which is not fast at all. So females, especially, I think when it's like, okay, who needs to bulk? I think it's important to realize like, okay, who needs to do this? I think one, if you have been weight training for a good time and you've gotten to a relatively lean body mass, I typically say for men, that's around like 10 to 12%. You're at a perfect spot to go into a lean build because you've got lower body fat percentages, you've got a plenty of room to work with so you can build some significant size without putting on a ton of body fat or losing that aesthetic. But I also think it's important, like we just said, if you've been struggling with fat loss for months and years, and you've never gone through a muscle building phase and you don't carry too much muscle, 
this is probably something that would be very, very beneficial for you. Yeah. Because we're going to be talking about this. Like we know this, like muscle is the powerhouse of your daily energy output or your metabolism, right? Muscle is the powerhouse of your metabolism. So mm -hmm. if you're constantly trying to lose weight and you're sick of just eating so little, 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 and just doing as much cardio as you can, going through a muscle building phase is going to strengthen your output, strengthen your metabolic output. And mm -hmm. I don't think people realize that. So even if you're in a, you're like, I've got 50 pounds to lose. I've got 75 pounds to lose. I've got 20 pounds to lose. You never think about maybe I should go through a building phase for a few months. The scale is yeah. not going to be going down. It's going to be going up a little bit, but it's going to make finishing this exponentially easier. So I think yeah. that's an important note of like who should bulk, how to know when to bulk. I think about this a lot of the time with like when you see coaches or people promoting like their weight loss or fat loss and it's like do it in three months. And if like you're not even – people expect to see results so fast. And yeah, mm -hmm. like with weight loss, depending on how much you, weight you hold, if you're really just trying to lose some weight, especially for health reasons, something like that, different. But if you're trying to build muscle and lose fat, like you're not just going to do that in – two to three months, like it, in that patience and trusting the process is key, but you have, even a lot of coaches won't disclose no. that. Which is ridiculous. And we can look at it because I have all the research pulled out here to it, really how fast you can expect to gain muscle, which is crazy to me because you hear people saying like, oh, over summer, I put on 20 pounds of muscle. Okay. Unless you're on three or four different anabolic compounds. No, you didn't build 20 pounds yeah. of muscle. You might've gained 20 pounds over summer. But I promise you a fraction of that's from muscle. It's ridiculous how fast it's expected. So we're going to go over that in a second. Mm -hmm. And I think to a side note too, even if you're just sitting there like, nah, I just want to look lean, skinny, whatever, your metabolism as you age is going to be something that's going to be fighting for you or fighting against you. And I pulled a quick little study from Duke University that I know I've covered a few times on my socials before, but this was a study done through Duke University earlier this year. And they looked at exactly how much your metabolism slows down as you start to get older. This is something that I think you and I have heard a million times, which is now considered more of a myth, is I'm older now. My metabolism just doesn't work like it used to. I'm older now. My mm -hmm. metabolism does not work like it's like it used to. And it's it's an easy kind of cover up of an excuse of, oh, I'm, I'm 30 now. I'm 40 now. I can't expect to lose weight like I did when I was 25 or whatever it is, right? At least that's what we thought. But this study was measuring total daily energy expenditure through the human life course. So total daily energy expenditure, essentially, that's what most people, when they throw around the word metabolism, that's what they're referring to. They're different, but that's what they're really referring to, right? It's, oh, my metabolism, it's broken. It's whatever. It's how much energy or how many calories your body burns through the day. And they measured this over the course of a lifetime. Now, the problem with most of these larger studies done before, most large analyses of analyses, <laughs> Analysis, of human energy expenditure analysis. have been limited to just basal expenditure or that basal metabolic rate in the past. So only accounting for how many calories are burned at rest. That's only accounting for about 50 to 70% of your total expenditure. So this is the first real large scale study that's looked at the total daily energy expenditure, not just basal metabolic rate, which I thought was super cool. And this mm -hmm. literally came out earlier this year, I think in March. But the study looked over 6,421 people from over 29 different countries. So very wide group of people, very wide group of individuals. And they observed changes in metabolic output from the age of just eight days old all the way up to 95 years old. So from literally you just popped out, <laughs> I mean, 95 years, no, no one freaking lives to 95 years old. If you can, good for you. 
No, yeah. No. I don't want to. Right. But what they found was freaking incredible. And I love that they did this, right? They found, right, that from the ages from about zero or like that eight day old range all the way up to 20, you obviously are going to see a sharp increase in metabolic output. That's just because you are growing as a human being. <laughs> You're increasing in size. So your metabolism and your total daily energy expenditure increases the larger you get. But from the age of 20 all the way to 60 years old, relative to your lean body mass, the human meta the metabolism or your metabolic output does not slow down at all. From 20 mm -hmm. to 60 years old, your metabolic output, your total daily energy expenditure relative to lean body mass does not slow down at all. So what that means is if your lean body mass stays the same, your metabolism won't slow down as you get older, right? It's yeah. not going to slow down as you get older if you can hold on to your muscle mass, right? Now, after the age of 60, upwards to the end of that study, you're going to start to see a small decline year after year, but it's even then a small decline. But I think that's absolutely massive to speak because we've talked about how important muscle is in longevity overall. Yeah. But this even goes to show if you want to keep a healthy body weight, a healthy body composition, this freaking matters. So I think most people are like, oh, yeah. my metabolism slowed down. It doesn't work like it used to, whatever. It's like, well, it's because you probably used to have a lot more muscle than you do right now because you haven't spent the time weight training, having a higher protein diet. You haven't done anything to keep that muscle. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's slower. Yeah. There's so many misconceptions because as you get older, I think it's around like age 40, I think around then, but your rate of muscle protein synthesis, mm -hmm. protein turnover decreases. So that rate yeah. decreases. Yeah. But if you are holding on to lean muscle mass, that is not going to affect your energy expenditure because you're still holding on to that muscle mass relative, again, to what you were saying. But that is why it becomes more important to hold on to muscle mass because it does start to decline. You start to lose yeah. muscle. So the earlier you start, hold, like resistance yeah. training and building muscle mass, the better. That's it delays yeah. the rate of, it delays the slowing of muscle protein turnover. It's massive, like how important it is. I and mean, that's what cracks me up because everyone younger now, especially on social media, TikTok and Instagram is obsessed over lifting weights now because they realize that's how you look yep. the best. Usually like that's what they want to go for is the aesthetic, which I'm not necessarily mad about, but I'm also pumped because I'm like, at least more people are getting into it because they're going to live such a higher quality, longer life because yeah. they're doing it now. So who cares if they're doing it for the Instagram butt selfie or whatever it's called, but it's like, but they're, they're people, Tony, up. I just interrupted you. I'm sorry, but people are what? not prioritizing recovery at our age either. No, no. And, and that's what we're going to talk about here too yeah. is recovery big time, but you are right. It, people are not prioritizing recovery, but at least they're weight training. They're eating more protein. They're building up. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go over a few things. So first, the problems with dirty bulking, right? There's a few there that I wanted to cover. We're going to go over research on how fast you can legitimately expect to build muscle. And I separate it from male to female and different age groups and age you've been training or your training age is what we're going to refer to it as. Before we get into how we're going to track your progress, how to train and set up your workouts for lean bulking, and then how to set your calories and macros for lean bulking before the other details. So the main problems with dirty bulking one, you surpass any fat loss that you did lose during a fat loss or cutting phase most of the time. So someone who spent months and months and months cutting down in a deficit, if you're at that phase and you've cut down to a leaner body fat percentage, if you just go into a dirty bulk, 
you're likely going to reverse most, <laughs> if not all of that progress that you just made over the last six months pretty damn quick. And that leaves yeah. you in that cycle. Or two, you're going to gain so much body fat in that dirty bulk that in order to actually cut back to your starting leanness, you're likely going to lose just as much muscle as you gained in that dirty bulk to get back there, yeah. which is just that back and forth cycle where you just end up spinning your wheels. And I promise you, and this is the thing that sucks. And I don't like to call anybody out, but influencers who promote the dirty bulking, which I've seen quite a few, especially in the bodybuilding world, the dudes with shredded six packs who are just like slamming a pizza, a full freaking pizza, cinnamon rolls, everything they want to. It's like, you can be flexible, but the people who promote those are typically on one or many PEDs, right? Like Winstrol, Anavar, Dianabol, testosterone, any combination to keep them lean and increase muscle protein synthesis to rates that are not humanly natural, which... I, I like those guys are just kind of assholes. I'm not going to lie because they lead people on to thinking like, hey, you can eat like me, do this and build as much muscle and look like me. But they well, don't disclose, what, of course, what they're using. I'm not really in the bodybuilding space, but since I've met Tony and we've also started the podcast and just in terms of my time on social media and seeing a lot of mm -hmm. problems with it, but a lot of women take Anavar, which I did not know at all. And it's actually very popular, even if you don't compete, especially yeah. influencers. So be wary when you see very, very, again, genetics are a factor. It's not everyone, but chiseled, very lean women who just have never cut, never bulked in their life, never focused. They just yeah. eat mindfully. It's something yeah. to think about. It, it is. Yeah. Some genetics have the potential yeah. to be outstanding, like Greek God and goddess. Some yes. genetics do. But you're right, especially when you look in this world, there is an odd amount of individuals who just eat lackadaisical and we love mindful eating, but yes, it is yes. so ridiculously challenging to maintain that sort of leanness year round without mm -hmm. PEDs, unless you were extremely rigid, even with the best genetics, you just can't maintain that amount of leanness 12 months out of the year while eating kind of lackadaisical you just can't right mm -hmm. so yeah be weary and again that's why the more and more i felt like the people who i really love to follow too are the people who say what they're doing right like a nile yes. i forget his last name now he's like the the goku bodybuilder out in san diego he'll go through his full cycles he'll tell everything about it he'll say why you look like this he doesn't just look shredded jacked amazing like legit goku and mm -hmm. then just be like yeah man just eat your protein count your macros <laughs> like, yeah no. it's yeah. so freaking important so that's just a fair warning. There's a lot of influencers that promote the dirty bulk who odds are taking several undisclosed compounds. Now, let's talk about how fast you can really expect to build muscle. And this, when I first learned this years and years and years ago, right? I think I was even going through my initial CPT when I was like 16, 17 years old. It's shocking how long it takes to build pure muscle tissue. You cannot, you can't build muscle nearly at the rate that you can lose fat, right? Not even close. Yeah. How frustrating and that's, is that? <laughs> it's super frustrating. It's super frustrating. Because I mean, you hear these expectations for fat loss, right? Oh, lose one to two pounds a week, which we've said like, that's not the safest thing to say, but mm -hmm. one to two pounds a week. If you're gaining one to two pounds in a week, if you're gaining 75 to 90% of that's going to be body fat. You just can't build it that much. Now to, comp to really see if, you, if you're just starting out, you can expect to start seeing noticeable differences in as little as about six to eight weeks. If you're just starting out, which we're going to talk about these newbie gains here in a second, but six to eight weeks, right? Where if you're in a fat loss phase and your calories and macros and training are dialed in, you're going to see scale progress in the first 
couple weeks. So having to wait two months to start seeing that progress. And I mean, really to see a complete physique change from building muscle, you're looking at at least six to 12 months. And, and honestly, here's what I like to say too. It's probably going to take like four five, six years plus, right? If you go to someone in the gym, go to anyone who's mm. muscular in the gym and ask them, Hey man, Hey lady, don't call her lady. <laughs> hey miss. Hey lady. <laughs> How long have you been working out? I love your physique. I can promise you, you're not going to find someone who's saying anything under five or 10 years. Yeah. If you and see someone who's got a great physique. Yeah. I think a lot of the people who are very well versed and have a lot of knowledge experience, they've done it the, the so-called wrong way. Mm. They've been through all of the things that didn't work for them, tried everything under the sun, have learned from their mistakes. It can really help to listen to conversations like ours and educate yourself and really try, but you're still going to run into issues along your journey and find out things that don't work for you. So like expecting this to be super quick is just so unrealistic. That's the biggest thing. Go up to someone who has like an admirable physique, ask them how long they've been training for. I'll Venmo you a dollar. You can DM me on Instagram. I'll Venmo you a dollar. If you can find someone who says under five years with a desirable, like a physique that you're like, dang, muscular, yes. meat, whatever you want, you're not going to find it. So just mm -hmm. buckle up. Now there's several things that go into how fast you can build muscle, right? How fast an individual can give muscle. So we're going to go over newbie gains and how fast you can expect it. But realize these different factors come into it, right? Your sex, male versus female. That's probably the biggest one determining how much muscle you can gain, which is actually interesting. I think we're gonna do an episode on this, but relative male to female muscle building potential is a lot closer than I think most people realize, relatively speaking. But outside of sex, your genetics play a big factor. Your training age is probably the second biggest limiting factor, how long you've been training for your calorie intake, your protein intake, your training intensity and volume, your recovery, which is <laughs> huge, right? Your recovery when you're actually building the muscle and the size. And another big one is the size of your frame and your bone density have a large, large input. And that's why the biggest like male to female differences mostly come from frame and bone density differences. Yeah. Just how much muscle your body can actually hold. But there's all these things that go into it. Now, what are newbie gains? I've said it like 50 times. You've heard, I think everyone's heard that term. It's simply the fact that if you are brand new, if you're a newbie to weight training, it's a new stimulus, a new stress put on your body and your body changes and adapts to that stress much quicker. And it, it makes sense because you look at other stresses that you adapt to. When you have a new stress in your life, you're hyper aware, you typically adapt a lot quicker. But when that stress continuously comes on, if you've been training for two years, three years, four years, mm -hmm. five years, your body just gets a little bit more efficient at what it's doing, right? So the amount yeah. of muscle that you can build year after year starts to decrease. And there's actually several graphs that we go through. I actually reviewed Alan Aragon's, the dope conversation we had last week. I reviewed his, his is more based on total body weight. And I wanted to take it a little further down to men and women's potential for pure muscle gain year after year. I reviewed Mike Matthews, Lyle McDonald's research reviews to go over this. And it looks like this is a pretty solid and agreed upon set of numbers. All right. In the first year of training, in the first year, when you're truly a newbie, this is where you're going to see pretty much half of your muscle building potential comes in your first year, which I thought is absolutely crazy. In your first year, men yeah. can potentially gain about 20 to 25 pounds of lean body mass, lean muscle mass in a year, 20 to 25 pounds in a year. If you're on a directed training program, if you're in a calorie surplus, if you're eating enough protein, if all those boxes are checked, you can gain about 20 to 25 pounds. Women, and you're going to notice this is typically about half 
as men's as we go through this graph, right? Women in their first year can typically see about 10 to 12 pounds across the course of their first year. So for men, that's about two pounds a month for women, about a pound every month. And again, based on all those different factors, your genetics, your bone density, your frame, there's going to be women who can gain significantly more than that. And some that less than that same thing mm -hmm. for men on both sides, right? So it's important to note your second year training. So from year one to year two, your potential pretty much gets cut in half. So for men gaining in the first year, about 20 to 25, you can expect to gain about 10 to 12 pounds year two, women five to six pounds, or men that's about a pound a month, women about 0.5 pounds a month. Year three, cut it in half again, about five to six pounds over the course of a year for men, two and a half to three pounds for women. And then that fourth year plus when you're truly an advanced trainer, even over an entire year, you can only expect to gain about two to three pounds for men of lean muscle mass and about a pound or less pound and a half. If you're a female four year plus, mm -hmm. it just gets smaller and smaller. And I think those final numbers are what scares the crap out of people. If I'm training hard four or five days a week, I'm eating in a surplus. You're telling me if I've been training for five or six years, I can only expect to put on a few pounds of muscle over the course of a year. This is all an example of the said principle. So specific adaptations to impose demands, which means mm -hmm. that the body, whenever it's placed under some sort of stress, it starts to make adaptations that will allow it to get better at withstanding that same stress in the future. So that means like you're going from, say you're not lifting at all. If you mm -hmm. start, that is a new stressor. You don't have any... Yeah of the tools to adapt to it. As you start to progress, as the years go on, your body recognizes that stressor. It mm -hmm. is adapting to that. So it is much slower at making yeah. changes. So that's yeah. like just one example of that principle. It's huge. And I think people don't really realize to what effect it really has. When you hear those numbers, one, it's kind of demoralizing at first, but mm -hmm. I want people to know too, there's a little bit of, I mean, not a little bit, there's a lot of bit of gray area here where people that have been, maybe they've been training for two or three years, but they've never been seriously training. They've never yeah. been on a real training program. They've never been eating to train. If you've been just playing around hit or miss once or twice in the gym for a few years, you're not going to be categorized as an advanced lifter in like the four plus year range. You're not going to have that genetic potential for men is to put on about 40 to 50 pounds of lean muscle on their frame. Women about half of that. So you can work up to that potential and that's how you gauge where you're at in that cycle. And then to also put a little asterisk next to this one, if let's say you reach that potential when you're younger, right? In your twenties, maybe early thirties, you reach that genetic potential. You've built as much muscle as your body can naturally hold. And then you lose it over the course of the next few years. It is also much quicker and easier to gain back muscle you've had than to gain it in the first place if you've mm -hmm. been on that kind of side. So there is a, there's several asterisks, but I think that at least sets the tone straight. So if you ever hear some dude at the gym being like, Oh bro, I built like 50 pounds of muscle last year. It was incredible. I've heard that a hundred times. Yeah, man, my first year out of high school, I built, I put on 50 pounds in one year. No, you didn't. You put on 50 pounds of probably mostly fat doing dirty bulk, but max you built on like 20, 25 pounds an entire year, right? There, there's no yeah. way you can build that much. And I just want people to have the confidence now to understand, to cut through the BS when you do hear mm -hmm. that. I don't know if on the female side, but on the male side, I can't tell you how many dudes have, if you ever ask a dude, that's a good question. Ask a dude how much muscle he's built at one time. And I guarantee you, he's going to give you numbers that are over those. Yeah. I feel like not the same, but like 
in, it's so fun. It's crazy to me how different the world is for like just men and women in terms of goals. It never doesn't surprise me. Just the differences here. I feel like along those lines is when you see women talking about just how they changed their physique or how much weight they lost yeah. fast. That's a big key. Now, I wanted to set all this up before we go into it because we're going to talk about how to track progress. And I think this is the most important thing because mm -hmm. the big difference between a lean bulk and a dirty bulk or a lean building phase and a dirty bulk, again, right? The main differences are you can only expect to gain as much weight. I guess you can, you're expecting to gain a lot less weight at a time you're trying to maximize how much lean muscle without adding on fat. And we've hit some pretty good sweet spots for that. So when you're tracking, tracking, when you're tracking progress, <laughs> when you're tracking progress, there's a few things I like to do. And I think if you're going through a build, you typically start to have a better relationship with tracking food, with tracking your weight. You're probably at a little bit better of a spot psychologically to be weighing yourself more frequently, to be mm -hmm. tracking your food. That's typically just where it lands up, but it's not all, all the case. But there's a few different things, and this is equal for fat loss, right? I like to do if you can. Progress pictures are going to be massive, right? That's going to tell you how your physique is actually changing. When you're building muscle, I think measurements are extremely helpful, right? Especially yeah. the body parts that you want to be gaining on. If you want bigger arms, you should be measuring your arms, right? On a weekly yeah. or monthly basis. If you want a bigger butt, it wouldn't hurt to be measuring that on a semi-frequent basis, right? Now, the next point, and I think this is the most important part for a lean build to just assure that you're not putting on excess body fat, is if you can incorporate the scale. A lot of my lean building clients, all of them right now, do daily scale weigh-ins. So if you're, you get to a spot where you can do that, because here's the thing, we just talked about how much muscle you can realistically gain over the course of a year. Men in their first year, 20 to 25 pounds, females about 10 to 12, so if you're doing daily weigh-ins and you're noticing you're gaining weight faster than a quarter to a half pound average on a weekly basis, you're putting on a lot of body fat with that weight. So that's why I think it's important. If you're gaining a pound a week, two pounds a week, you can guarantee 75, 90% of that is coming from body fat. And that's why it's helpful because if you don't like to weigh in, but you are gaining one to two pounds a week, it's going to be several months until you really notice and you're like, well, shit, now I've got all this body fat that I didn't want to put on in the first place. Yeah. Where if you're continuously putting on one to two pounds a week for a month, you can say, man, I overshot my calories big time, which we're yeah. going to go over how to set this up next. But And I think that that can helpful. be like comforting for say like women who are just scared of putting on all this weight, scared of the bulk, like 0.25 to a half pound a week. Yes. That's not a lot and that's very slow. It's not drastic. And I know that this is almost like it gets controversial because again, if you're the type of person that can't do this, if the scale's triggering, if this is mm -hmm. not, if you don't have a good relationship there, we're not, sorry, we're not talking to you. But you're probably the, not in the best place to go through a lean the, structured build. You could yeah. You help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But having that sort of reassurance in terms of wow, th this work that I'm putting in, it is paying off and I'm doing it correctly. It's an educational tool. It's not a, it doesn't determine whether who I am as a person and my success and what I'm doing, but I want to make sure I'm doing it right. Yeah. It's just a resource. It's a safety measure. It's a safety mm -hmm. measure. So yeah. that's why tracking progress for a lean bulk is advantageous, right? And for a dirty bulk, do you need to track your progress? No, as long as you're getting bigger, it's working. But that's why a lean bulk and a structured bulk if you want to do it right, you got to check a few extra things, right? Yeah. Now, we're going to go over the good, the good, good, that good, good. 
We're going to talk about how to train <laughs> and set up your workouts next for a lean bulk before we get into setting your calories and macros. Cause these are going to be the two biggest things that you can control, right? You can't control yes. your genetics. You can't control how long you've been training for. You can't control your sex. You can control your training and your nutrition and your recovery, which are going to be the biggest aspects in your control. Now, weight training, and this is something we've talked about before, on a cut and a build, don't look that different, right? You're not going to completely change what you're doing weight training wise, or you shouldn't be from a cut to a bulk to a build, whatever it is, your weight training is like Bill Campbell said, is your heartbeat, right? That's something that stays yeah. the same constant year after year. You're training to progressive overload. Now, what that looks like, and it can be different based on any circumstance, is I'd say at least three days, three to four would be optimal. Five, if you are one of those people who likes to be in it, three to five days a week in the gym strength training is going to be best. And again, more is not always better. I think four is a pretty good sweet spot if you're trying to build. But in those three and throughout those three to five sessions per week, you should be aiming to get 10 to 20 hard sets per muscle group per week, per muscle group per week, hard sets being taken within one to three reps of failure. That's what it means, right? So it could be split in upper, lower, full body, push, pull legs, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Aim to get 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week, especially those that you're looking to build. Rep ranges aren't going to change from a cut to a bulk, mainly focused around strength and hypertrophy training, even though I just want to write this because I think oh, we could do an episode on this. The old idea that hypertrophy is structured between eight and 12 reps. We now know much more recent literature from, I think Brad Schoenfeld is one of the biggest ones who's been pushing it. You can build equal amounts of muscle at any rep range, at yeah. one rep, at three reps, at 12 reps, at 20 reps. You can build equal muscle, but that's only, like we've said a lot, first order consequence, not second, where we're talking about how much you get fatigued, how much recovery time mm -hmm. you need, how your strength and CNS fatigue really incorporates in your workouts. But I'd say for the most part, reps ranging between like four and 15 for the bulk of your training would be best bulk of training, probably coming just basic eight to 12 rep range, but don't completely neglect strength. Don't completely neglect that endurance. And then I'm a bigger fan. We've done talks on splits before we did yeah. one on our Patreon this last week, right? I'm a bigger fan. It's easier to set up those workouts and hit those 10 to 20 sets per week. If you're doing like an upper lower full or PPL, like push pull leg hybrid or combination kind of split. It's usually easier when you're doing one of those, the old bodybuilding splits where you have like a chest day, a shoulder day, yeah. a back day, an arm day, which always makes me laugh because there's like four separate upper body days. And then usually it's like leg day. They don't separate. Like and then the day. opposite for girls. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm working glutes four times yeah. this week. Exactly. <laughs> it's freaking hilarious. So those are typically the splits. But again, as long as you're hitting your total training volume, you're taking it close to failure. You can make equal progress doing a push pull leg hybrid. In an upper lower split. I'm in an upper mm -hmm. lower full time a week right now, loving it, but everyone's different and their motivations matter. So that's how it works. I know we've talked about this in building a training program. So I think maybe reference that video or that podcast that we did a few weeks ago yeah. when setting it up. Also our Patreon, Tony just did a live on Friday, how to design a training program for yes. you and you can access that uh, video download. Yeah. So reference those two for sure and setting it up just because we're not going to go super, super deep into it. But essentially setting up a workout, I like to structure it with strength and compound movements, the bigger movements towards the beginning of the workout, and then move towards more isolated movements towards the back end. Mm -hmm. That can really have a lot of flexibility. An example of that, right? Like a lower body day would be three sets of barbell back squats, three sets of single leg leg extensions into some close stance leg press into some step ups, right? Three sets of each. Yeah. Boom. 
12 hard sets on your lower body, start big on compound and strength, move, move a little bit lower. The exact best exercise is another. And here's the big part. You don't need to be spending more than an hour, hour 15 in the gym, right? You don't need to be spending two hours. And I think that's a big one that we see from influencers in recovery. You don't need to be spending two, three hours in the gym, six days a week. You yeah. don't. That's their lives. That's their job. That's not realistic. And also it doesn't mean it's better. Like the amount of damage a lot of these fitness influencers are putting on their body that they don't realize because they want a perfect physique, like it will hit them later, like for yeah. sure. Well, realize that like you can spend two, three hours in the gym if you want, but you're not going to be making more progress than if you can optimize your workouts in an hour. You're yeah. not, right? Yeah. If you optimize them in there, you're just not. Yeah. Same thing with like why we say the 10 to 20 set range. You can do more than 20 hard sets per week on each muscle group, but you're not going to see more progress from it. So that's what we're kind of saying is like, what's really the point? If you want to make that your life, if you like the social aspect of the gym, you want to spend a couple hours, do it. But for most people- Which is people, crazy to me. I don't want anyone talking to me when I'm at the gym. Don't same. even try. <laughs> you see someone come up, you're like, fuck. Here no. I'm kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. But see the gym. It's, it's, I, like, I go in the mornings where it's like you get the what up group where it's like everyone's the same group. You give each other a head nod, what up, a fist pound. Yeah. The night group, I notice, is when it's like everyone's here to talk about their so days bad. and their hobbies yeah. and their weekends. It's like, hey, man, I'm just trying to get a set in. Don't want to have a 30-minute conversation about your dog. Mm -hmm. Anywho, that's a big note. That's a big note. As far as cardio goes on a lean bulk, and I want to put this important note. I'm a bigger fan of, just because I'm not a big fan of cardio and I think your motivations matter, the less the better if you don't like it. Same thing on yeah. weight training. If you hate training your legs, you don't have to do two leg days every single week. You can mm -hmm. sprinkle it in if you want to. So I'm a bigger fan of one, first maximizing your neat. And I know we've, you're a big fan of this too, right? Your non-exercise movement, aim yeah. for eight to 12,000 steps per day or wherever you're at, increase that first. But an important note too, if you're coming off of a cut, like an aggressive cut, like I've got some clients that are finishing up some bigger ones now where their cardio was a little ramped up. Don't just ditch it. But you don't need to do excessive amounts of cardio to stay lean. Remember, yeah. an exercise, a car, whatever, none of these in particular burn fat, uh, burn. But you're not going to lose fat from doing cardio versus weights. It comes down to your energy intake and, and output, Yeah, all that. So don't think cardio has got a magic key where it's like, oh, I got to keep cardio in to lose fat. It's not doing anything different than weight training. Just busting in like two 30-minute cardio sessions a week and you're not walking at all. That's not helpful. Work towards moving more throughout the day if you're going to take the time. I think this is a big one is I put guilt on myself and I judge myself for not wanting to do cardio. It's just because I was just so unenjoyable. If I wasn't playing sports, I just, I would hate to be on the stair climber yeah. or treadmill. Don't put guilt on yourself for like, man, I really hate this because yeah. what is that going to do? It's going to build up resentment and you're going to hate it longer and then probably end up falling mm -hmm. on your face in your programming <laughs> figuratively. So that's a big thing. You don't need cardio to stay lean during a lean bulk but maximize your non-exercise movement. Now, let's talk about that good, good. Calories, right? Setting up I calories for a lean bulk, right? Now, good news is we've found a sweet spot, this is male and female, for maximizing muscle gain while minimizing fat gain to be somewhere around 110% of your TDEE or your total daily energy expenditure. So however many calories you burn in a day, 10% higher than that is pretty much maximizing how much muscle you can gain and minimizing how much fat, meaning you can gain pretty much as much muscle, but a lot less fat eating 10% more than your TDEE than eating 20 to 30% plus. 
Pretty. Yeah. So that's an important note. And I will say this too, just because in I'm in San Diego, so there's a lot more bodybuilding competition where there's a lot more PED use, which is usually necessary for the sport, which is not necessarily a bad thing. If you want to win at this sport, you're probably going to have to use some of those compounds. That's great. I also see a lot of them eating like 5,000, 5,500 calories per day, like 20, 30, 40, 50% more than their TDEE. Yeah. That's because they're giving their body compounds to where that makes sense for them. They mm -hmm. can maximize a lot more. If you're not taking those compounds, 110%, 10% more than your TDEE is pretty much going to give you just about all the muscle you could build if you were eating more. Now, I have a question for you, Tony, if you have yeah. a take on this, but say someone, which I know this isn't the majority of people, but say someone is works a job where they're on their feet all day. They get like yeah. maybe 20... Mm -hmm. thousands, 20 to 25,000 steps a day, would it still be at 10%? So this is something that we're going to talk because adjusting your intake is going to matter quite a bit, right? Mm -hmm. So like you were kind of saying, so if you're talking to someone where their TDEE is just through the roof compared to someone else, 10% is still going to be higher. So for an example, let's say someone's TDEE or how many calories they burn in a day is 2,400, right? 2,400. 10% more of that is about 240 extra calories. So their lean bulking status would be around 2640. If someone's NEAT is through the roof, they work in construction, they do something else. Let's say their TDEE, and this is not uncommon, especially for like larger men who do very active work, to be closer to like 35, 36, 3700. That's not uncommon in very active individuals. Yeah. Let's say you have a TDE of 3500. Start your lean bulk, I think, right at about 10% higher. So 350 more calories above where you were at. So that would take, let's say, 3,500 to 3,850. But here's the most important part. Adjust based on those daily weigh-ins on the scale, right? If over a two-week phase, let's say the construction worker who's taken in 3,850, right? Their TDE around 3,500. Let's say over two, three weeks, they're eating that 10% above and their weight is staying the same, which can happen, right? Sometimes, yeah. and it happens different for each person. The more food you eat, you can increase how much you burn through the day right? Not necessarily one-to-one -one ratio amount. Some person could increase how much they eat and not change. Another could increase their need, increase their movement, increase a lot of things and burn a lot more. That's why adjustments matter. I think we've talked about this before, right? In setting in nutrition, where you start, especially like a calculator doesn't really matter. It's how you adjust. Mm -hmm. So if your goal yeah. is to be gaining a quarter to a half a pound a week and you are super active and you are eating 10% more, try 20% and see if you can break through there. And that's going to be putting you where you are. So does that kind of answer where you were trying to get at based on yeah. where you are? And I love how you like getting at the fact that like our environment and lives are not, that is not stagnant. That changes mm -mm. often for a lot of people. And that's just another reason why the scale can be a positive beneficial tool because although we don't have much control over our environment a lot of the time and how we structure movement around that, Again, this goes back to the food piece. This is why food and nutrition will always be the most important, also the most difficult. It's just giving you another resource to be able to adjust that, accommodate for those changes in your environment or even just life and go through phases where they don't yeah. move much and <laughs> that's yeah. okay. But Yeah. And that's, yeah, exactly. As long as you're adjusting for those different phases, you're mm -hmm. good. Right. Your ideal calorie intake right now is probably not going to be ideal in three months or in six months just because of how many things change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to realize. And I think a separate note that you just made me think of on that, 
this is why I advocate more, and I'd love your take if it's different. I advocate more on the daily weigh-ins because that's how you really assess like a trending weight. And I think a great app for these is, I think it's called Happy Scale on, I don't think it's on Android, but it's on iPhone, Happy Scale. I don't know if you've heard of it. I freaking love it because you enter in your daily weigh-ins, but it doesn't just give you on the screen what your daily weight is. It gives you what your trending weight is. So it takes the last oh. two to four weeks of data and gives you not only what did you weigh in today, but your trending weight. Because we know weight fluctuates based on water weight alone, which is insane, mm -hmm. like not meaningful. Anywhere from like three to upwards of like eight, nine pounds a day for some people. A day, three to nine pounds. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, crap, I'm only supposed to be gaining a quarter to a half a pound a week. I gained three pounds this morning. I need to slow down. No, you don't. Yeah. Gather your- Especially if it's a Monday and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the Monday or Tuesday after Labor Day weekend. But that's why trending weight matters, where it's like measure your trending weight on a week to week basis, don't make changes in under two to three week phases. Be consistent. I like if you can go for 30 full days for a full change, be consistent because after 30 days, you can tell if something's working or not. Mm -hmm. After yeah. two or three days, you have zero freaking clue if something's working or not. Zero clue. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that could tell you that information. Yeah. And that's where the scale can be dicey, especially in the beginning where you're trying to figure out that that sweet spot again learning don't let those changes keep you from going keep you from finding that consistency because the scale does change and again we are not talking about just like weight loss here we are talking about a quarter to a half a pound a week so weighing daily will help you look at that average look at those changes from day to day but just because it does change from day to day like doesn't mean that mm -hmm. you're not making progress that's going to happen sometimes Exactly. Yeah. So that's, and that's especially I think more for people who are just now venturing into the, maybe you're at a great place in your life for the first time where you're like, man, maybe I should gain weight. Cause I feel like so many people through their whole lives, like I got to lose weight. I got to lose. I got to lose. So trying to gain weight is the most uncomfortable thing in the freaking world. Male, mm -hmm. female, anybody. That's an important note is like those numbers are going to stress you out a little bit at first. Cause you're, you you do not want to lose something that you've worked for maybe decades to get to. So that's an important note. Now, yeah. next two pieces are setting up macros, looking at macros, and then what foods, meal planning, how do you set that up for lean bulking, which is super, super important. So when it comes to setting up your macros, I think this is pretty well agreed upon in this industry. Your protein intake is going to matter the most. Fat and carbs are going to largely be more based around. You can optimize that with your lifestyle. For protein, we talked to Alan about this. We've talked about this a few times before. I have a easy free protein calculator that you can use. It's going to give you around 0.8 to 1.2 grams of protein per day per pound of lean body mass that you have. I know Alan likes to set it more towards goal body weight, which if you're gaining might make a little bit more sense too, but just use the free calculator if you want to. It's going to give you between 0.8 and 1.2 grams per pound of lean body weight. That's the most yeah. important number. Your calories and your protein will determine if you're building muscle or if you're building fat for the most part. If you want to take it to the next step, and this is where there's less research that supports this, but we've talked about it before, anecdotal evidence and what people do who are training in bodybuilding competitions in physique shows, they have a method to their madness, which hasn't been observed too much in literature, but there might be something to it, right? For example, your fat intake, right? I'm a bigger advocate, especially if you're going to be training a few times per week to going a little bit higher carb. And then what I think Today should be considered moderate fat intake, but I think most people after the keto warriors, they're like, oh my God, that's low fat, whatever. 
I like to say around 20 to 30% of your calories coming from fat is a safe place where you're getting enough for hormonal function, everything there. For some reason, I think people would say that's low fat just because keto is like what, 80, 90, 95% <laughs> coming from fat. Yeah, but that's not even, that's not, it's not low. low fat. It's, wow. That's exactly what I'm saying. That should be considered moderate fat. But I think a lot of people seeing that would be like, why is that so low? It's not like 20 to 30% yeah, is not low. Because people picture carbs as like this enemy. Exactly. And the only reason I would say if you are relatively lean, like very lean and you want to keep that leanness, it might be something to experiment with going towards the lower end of that fat scale towards 20% just because of something we've mentioned before, right? De novo lipogenesis, right? How our bodies very inefficiently store and like pretty much mutate carbohydrates or store glycogen or not glycogen into body fat. It's not very efficient at the way it does that. And that's why bodybuilders typically have a lot lower fat diets because they typically notice in those settings that you're not storing as much fat if your dietary fat is much lower. So it might be something you want to experiment with, I think, if you are super lean, but don't stress yourself out about it. Because again, if your calories and your protein are matched, your carbs and fats can probably be whatever. And you're going to notice almost identical changes, right? It's just something you might want to experiment with. Mm -hmm. So that's how you'd set up your calories and your macro for a lean bulk. And it's something more wise to pay attention to. Now, I have a whole list. Honestly, I don't even know. This is a massive freaking list on foods to go for lean bulking, right? Lean proteins like sirloin steak, ground beef, ground bison, salmon, pork, tenderloin, chicken breast, tilapia, shrimp, eggs, egg whites, Greek yogurt, things like that. But honestly, I think this is a good time to say, like, use freaking eat this much. Yeah. Like, even just the free freaking version, like use eat this much. Type in how much protein, type in how many calories. It will literally give you unlimited refreshable <laughs> meal plan ideas. And honestly, even if you're like, I don't need a whole meal plan. I just need a few meals per day. Great. Go use it for that, right? Like type in your protein, type in your calories. Just use it to gather a couple meals that you need. And yeah. it will give you phenomenal ideas based on your preferences. Yeah. And also it gives, it can even, it gives inspiration too. So in terms of like, yeah, I have a solid foundation. I want to make my own recipes, but I don't know where to start. Like having easy accessible meals that are just right there for you and finding a few that you like that you can start to replicate, adjust. And also this allows you to account for those changes, especially in the beginning where maybe I have to modify my calories a little bit more than I thought I did because the scale might be going up a little bit too fast or it might be staying the same. This allows you to easily adjust for those and adjust your mm -hmm. protein intake and just make it. Cooking is hard. I feel like I'm biased. I love to cook, but even I have days where I hate cooking. It takes a lot of time. You have to plan it in order to be successful, especially in this area. This much takes that aspect away from it and can really help lessen the stress that is already on your body and into your lifestyle and all the changes that you're making. You exactly. just have to have an extra resource. Yeah. And that's, it always cracks me up. Cause I, I think you and I are the same. I've hated, I told myself when I first started, I'm like, I'm never going to do sponsored advert, like anything like this. It's funny. Cause like, I was even shouting out eat this much before they were a sponsor, like before anything like this, mm -hmm. because it's literally such a freaking useful tool. So yeah, you can just go yeah. and find and pick apart these protein recipes. I know I've listed some like macro cheat sheets on my Instagram before, but eat this much is it's just so freaking easy. So I would say if you want to find what to eat or you don't know, especially when you're now not used to saying, damn, I need to eat more food, not less. Just go plug it in, try it out, get some yeah. ideas. So that I think covers most of it. We went into what lean versus dirty is. We went in the dangers of dirty, 
We talked about how to set up your exercise, your training, your calorie intake, your macros, your recovery, everything for lean bulking, lean building. Did we miss anything? No, is I, that think pretty that, solid? I think that's it. And obviously everyone's going to be asking, all right, what about a cut? And we'll do another episode that's coming in the future. Um, yeah. but I think next these, week we're going to try and film that. Yes. They definitely deserve their own episodes, own discussion because yes, they go hand in hand, but they're so, so different. And the approach is different. And I feel like a lot of people underestimate the importance of a lean bulk for your overall success, which is why I'm really yeah. happy we started with this one and Tony put this together because it kind of puts into perspective, like it's not just about putting on weight and dropping it. And I think that's what people just think mm -hmm. over and over again. When you think cut bulk, cut bulk, like no, there, there's yeah. a lot that goes into it. And it's so important to pay attention to both ends so that you're not up, down, all around. You could do it sustainably. Again, this is not something you do like forever. You're not always yeah. in a bulk. You're not always in a cut. Again, it also depends on your goals, but it doesn't have yeah. to suck. Like it doesn't. <laughs> I think we covered everything to go in. You can tell we spent an hour talking about it. And that's why we wanted it. We were going to think about doing a cut and bulk episode together, but we'd be talking forever. And it's, yeah, it's not just weight gain and weight loss. It's fat loss and muscle gain, which are very two distinct different mm -hmm. things. So very different. Yeah. we're going to do another cut episode soon on how to go through a cut further than just setting up a calorie deficit, which we've done before, but mm -hmm. how to structure your training, your workouts, your macros, how to take it, because I think that one is especially important on meshing it with your lifestyle. So we're going to go into more of the applied version there. So I think that's yeah. what we got. What you we want got. to close this out? What do we got? Yeah. Where can people find yeah. us? As always, you can find us on social media, fs.pod. That is for Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. We also have our YouTube that you can watch us on and subscribe to, Fitness Stuff for Normal People. And our Patreon page, that is Fitness Stuff. If you want to join, $5 a month. Again, the podcast will always be free, but this is an option for us to give you a bit more applied resources. We are shifting into mm -hmm. some <laughs> video research reviews that we're really, really excited about. For example, say you want to know where we came to that for protein, 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of lean body mass. We're going to review protein intake for performance yeah. and physique enhancement and really, really dive into the science for you along with adding in some extra content like meal prep recipes every month. Tony did some mobility exercises. We'll have extra bonus content all the time. And this allows us to continue growing and offering you as much as possible at a yeah. low cost. So, so there we go. Hit us go. there. Find us there. That was a good day. You know what? We started on a rough foot, about an hour of tech difficulties. Oh, yeah. But I think we turned it around. I think it was a solid we turned episode. it around. So, Y'all are beautiful. Thank you for the five-star review that you left at the beginning of this episode. Oh, no, you didn't leave it. Go do it right now. <laughs> Thank you so much. We love you. Thanks for making our week better. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.